So Epiphany proper was Tuesday night, January 6th. And to celebrate, uh, we did Emmanuel, our Theology on Tap series with Andy Christian. And a few of us were there, well, Eric and I were there from our church. And Owen and a couple of Adams were there from the Christian church. And it was a lot of fun uh, because it was Epiphany, which meant that Owen and I didn't actually need to prepare at all. Uh, we actually just came and said, so when was it? that you first felt the presence of God in your life? Open with an easy question. Okay, good. Right, but think back. When were you first aware of the imminent presence of God, if it ever happened? When were you aware of that feeling that God was with you? Emmanuel. I'm not going to call you out this time. For you to think about as we talk through this passage and through this sermon. I can tell you on my own, for my own sake, that I grew up as a very intellectual child of the UCC. I interacted with God on a theoretical level, always sort of at arm's length throughout my high school time, throughout my college time. And it was only after college, as I began worshiping in what was then North Prospect Church in Cambridge, Massachusetts, that after singing certain hymns over and over again, I realized that I could, through this singing, come closer to God, hear the voice of God among the people, and to feel that presence, to break down the barriers I had so carefully erected over many years. But this is Epiphany. We're talking about a capital E right now, a lowercase e. And so in this passage, we have a couple of things going on. The first is, as we talked about when we went over the passage, this is a testimony. This is a message that the life of Jesus will touch people who are not Jews. This is a message that Jesus is for the Gentiles as well, and also a message that his kingship is attested to by the Gentiles. What are they doing? They are coming with gifts, as you do to a royal child. They are bowing prostrate before them, or in the words that I will never forget, throughout my life in this church, giving him homage. Why? Because last year in the Christmas pageant, Quentin Fulton must have said homage 57 times. And so whenever I hear that word, which is not in this translation, I will think of the Christmas pageant as we are intended to do. So we have this revelation. But what does the revelation tell us? One of the things is that this is a moment in the history of creation, in the history of God in our world, that God is seeking to break down barriers. There's a phrase used to describe certain places and times. It's saying they are a thin this is a great phrase, this idea that in this place, more things are possible. In this place, you can see God because God is closer. In this place, you can see hope because hope is closer. The chances that something else might happen are much greater than we're used to thinking about. So what is happening in this story is God is creating a thin place in the East breaking down the boundaries between Jew and Gentile, saying, look, these 
or some other celestial event that we can understand. And it is good that we ask questions and we interrogate how things happen. But in some ways, seeking that literal truth in the story is missing the truth of the story, which is this. First of all, the star went all the way directly to Jesus' house. How many of you have a rudimentary gasp of astrophysics, such as how the Earth rotates? Right? That's not the way any bodies move. They move from one place to another, but from our perspective, but they do not change direction and go down to settle on someone's house. So the truth in this story is God is speaking through this act. God is saying, well, maybe this one night physics is going to be a little different. Maybe this one night things are different. If, in fact, the story happens as is reported and he knows. But that's important. Because that's what makes this the story about possibility. About the chance that this thing could happen that touches the lives of other people. Unexpected people. Not just the lives of the Jews, the lives of these magi who also receive other messages. They say, maybe you shouldn't actually report to Herod where Jesus is sleeping. He might not have been telling the truth. Or his definition of honoring Jesus might be slightly different than yours. Okay. Uh, so... We have these gifts. We have these thin places. We have these signs and these symbols. And in our church, we try to do that too. We try to see the signs and symbols. We try to make a thin place. When do we try to make a thin place so we can listen to the presence of God? This is an actual question. For us. When do we try to make a thin place so that we can listen to the presence of God? We're supposed to make more names, Pat. Don't ever move. Um, <laughs> we're supposed to make more names. That's what we're trying to do in this place. That's why we do the, that's why we have all these hymns that we sing. That we're trying to put in our mouth words other people have used to describe what it means to be close to the holy. We're trying to sing them in the, in the thought that it can change our bodies and make us see what they saw. That's why we have an anthem, the same reason. You have this music that meant something very great to someone in the hopes that it can make us feel that way too. It can break down the barriers we have put up in our own lives and our own bodies and open ourselves up to new possibilities. It's why we have responsive prayers and readings that we may use these words through our voices to change the way we interact with the world around us. Now, one of the things, this is a great time, this is a great time, and thank you all, that we are dedicated to in this church is intergenerational worship. Ask anyone on the search committee. That was one of, that was basically the only question I asked about worship, was what do you do with children? That was the only question I asked. Why? Because it is so important that we hear the voice from the very young to the very old in worship. And we all come together to create this space and work together to find a way to break down the barriers we otherwise erect. You know, it's a now movement in churches to say, well, we should not have Sunday school during worship because then kids never learn how to work in worship. But it turns out it's kind of a challenge, right? And some people think the challenge is um, how to compete with the internet during worship. And that's a challenge. But it's one that we should
to rise to because the real challenge for us is what do we do for the kids we have in worship? What is feeding them spiritually in worship? Is it listening to me and my eloquent elucidations of the exegetical uh, natures of biblical interpretation? I think not. I think not. And if you want evidence, listen very carefully right now. <laughs> Many of you can't read, so it's not reading the hymns out of the hymnals. Right? So what do we do? It's a big problem. We've not really addressed why I've been here. We've talked about some things, and God bless Annette Hong, who said, you know all these bags that we have in the back that have coloring books in them don't really have a lot of Christian coloring books. So maybe for worship, we should have Christian content so that kids can be worshiping in their own ways while they're filling in the coloring books. I'm like, well, gee, that's a good idea. Uh, so thank you, Annette, for that. Um, gee, it seems so logical once you say it out loud. Um, but there are other things. People in different places do different things in worship, whether it is having activity in the back. When we've talked in deacons, and I've talked to the shepherds about making some pillows for the smaller kids to hang out in, although you know, the balcony looks pretty well, too. Having activities that match with the worship service so that there is some spiritual content that might stick with people later on. Now, I also know it's not the case that what we do in worship every week feeds everyone the same way out in the pews. I know some of you would like to raise up your voices but feel intimidated by looking down into the hymnal. And we do have a projector. Um, I just don't have time to transcribe the hymns. Right? And so maybe we can do something with that to create a thin spot because what we are missing out on is trying is understanding what it is that brings God closer to each and every one of us in this space. In the UCC, it is sometimes difficult for us to talk about what it feels like when God is acting in our lives. Not everyone, obviously, not everyone has their own interpretation, but it's sometimes hard to admit that what we like to do in this space is to be changed in some way. And to walk away from here different than when we walked in. But we need to understand what is happening in our bodies and what's happening in our souls at different times in worship. I had grown up singing hymns for 25 years before I sat there in that church service and realized I can relax when I'm singing this hymn. I can relax and let down all my barriers and let God into my life in this way. And so that's why I like singing lots of different hymns. And I know some of you don't like that, and that's okay. Because maybe for some of you, it is some element of liturgy that is repeated over and over again that does it for you. This is kind of the core tenet of Catholic liturgy, is here is this thing that is the same whether you are here or not, and it is always here waiting for you whenever you want to come back. So maybe that's what it is that creates the thin place for all of you. Well, we need to talk about it. We reorganized the deacons last year. Back in half of my first meeting, so I had nothing to do with it. To say, we're going to break it up so there are four different subcommittees, standing subcommittees. One of them is the worship subcommittee. I'd like people to join it. Join the page and whoever else is going to be on that from the deacons. We haven't decided yet. Figure out what it is that moves you, what it is that breaks down the barriers, what it is that I need to do, what it is that we need to do in order to make this the spot to fulfill
saw the star and carried the gifts with them, we need to bring our gifts to the table too and say, this is how I respond to the call that I hear God make. This is how I want to respond to God's desire to work in my life. So this year, in worship, let us be excellent. Let us be thoughtful.